Hello, welcome to Foss and Crafts. A podcast about, wow, did I forget our intro? It's, it's been a while, but like. <laughs> I think I honestly forgot my tagline. Are we starting that over? Or we, we, just... we should start that over. I mean, we could just leave it as is. But Morgan's making a face. Okay, we're going to start it over. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Foss and Crafts, a podcast about free software, free culture, and making things together. With my co-host Morgan and my co-host Chris. Today we're going to talk about getting organized, which very on point. Um, it's been a very crunch modey type time. You wanted to say what happened? Yeah, I feel like if we go back throughout this podcast and see like how many episodes have started with, we are very tired. We have been very busy. Yeah. There's probably been many. We decided to start a podcast in probably one of the busiest years. <laughs> so I was not on the last episode and we didn't put out an episode for the last couple of weeks because I just finished and submitted my dissertation. Hooray! Still got to defend, but that's that's close. That's like the main last step, and then I just have to defend and I'm done. And because of that, I did not have the free time to do a podcast for the last several weeks. So one of the funny things about that is that our when we're in super crunch mode, we both rely on our organization systems that we have. But they also kind of get narrowed a bit in scope and we kind of let certain things fall on the floor and we kind of bring how much we're focusing on from our to-do list down to the like, oh God, we just have to survive on like this main thing, right? Yep. And when you come out of crunch mode, um, well, first of all, you kind of have to recover because your body and brain no longer function if it's a really intense crunch mode. Yeah, it turns out if you don't have any downtime for like three weeks straight then your next week is going to be eaten up with recovering. I think it was longer than three weeks, but it, it probably reg- was. Regardless, this is not a podcast about how much we're overworked. This is a podcast, and this episode specifically is about getting things done, right? So yes. the, the where I was going with that was when you kind of pull out of that zone, if you're trying to reconstruct things, you end up realizing kind of a lot about what your systems are and how important and relevant and useful they are for you to staying organized. And Morgan and I have some very specific organizational systems. Well, we want to talk about what they are. Um, We think a number of these ideas, and we're we're going to give kind of a smattering of ideas, can be useful to, to other people. However, this is just what works for us. And it has all come together over like a very long system of trial and error. So this is not prescriptive, just illustrative of what works for us. So why don't we actually start out with why really prescriptive organization systems haven't worked for us. Um, and by prescriptive, we mean somebody's handing you and says, does it like this? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you and I have had to do a lot of customization. Yeah, so both Chris and I have ADD. Chris's ADD is probably more severe than mine, but I also have dyslexia and chronic headaches and migraines. So we both have weird brain chemistry. As part of that, let's talk about what therefore didn't work as in terms of kind of the default assigned 
organizational systems that we got handed to us growing up. What I mean, there's assigned is actually kind of in the name, right? So yeah. what what's a classic one there? In my high school, at least, and I think many high schools, at least in the U.S., we are literally given assignment notebooks, which we're, is... We were given that all the way back from the beginning of grade school. Oh, uh, well, uh, apparently my public school wasn't as fancy well, as your private school. Yeah, well, um, so yeah, we had assignment notebooks and, you know, I guess if you aren't familiar with a assignment notebook, and you probably are, right? They're it's ba- basically a day planner meant for students. Yeah, so you've got your teachers like, here's what you're doing, you know, bam, 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 here's all the homework stuff. Here's the times that these big things are coming up. Write them down on these days. Write down these assignments and, you know, bring it in the next day, right? And I I did terrible with that. Me um, too, but for different reasons. Yeah. So for me, for first of all, I'm very slow and very sloppy at writing. And to the degree where later on, we'll, we'll talk about this later, I had special accommodations. But I was so slow that I wasn't able to get the assignments written down in the time in which somebody would, uh, the teacher would erase them from the board. So I would often not actually even know what my assignments were. Um, And I, I mean, the current modern, especially American, but I think it's pretty common across the board, education approach of just barraging children with homework, it's the worst thing possible if you have ADD, right? Like I was not able to keep up. Or other learning disabilities. Even even though I did not even usually get to play with my friends because I would come home and I would have to start doing homework all the way until I went to sleep and I would still only get half of it done. So I would have this kind of growing guilt pile that I was just never, never able to keep on top of. And a lot of my information I would capture wasn't even correct or complete. So what what was your, your issues? Well, my issue was the complete issue. So I would try my best to write everything down, but as a symptom of ADD, I was a very, and still am, a very forgetful person. So I would write some things down, but other things I would forget to write down. And then trusting the assignment notebook when I came home to do my homework, I would do the homework that was written down. And then have no memory whatsoever of other assignments that I forgot to write down. So I would get to school the next day and find out that I hadn't done homework that I was supposed to do. So it, again, was an issue of me trying to stay on top of it, but then never really fully being able to. Yep. Um, So I mentioned that I had special accommodations at one point. Towards the end of high school and in college, I was given... And this is when people did not bring laptops or have tablets in class and stuff like that. I was given special accommodations to have a PDA, which at the time... Like the old school PDAs. So if you're not familiar with that, that means like the Palm Pilot. They are basically these very minimal computers, usually black and white, with like a stylus on them that can really... You can only use them for a few things like playing some games, but they would be very basic. But mostly just for typing up notes, having a to-do list... They also had agendas, right? Yeah, they had agendas. Like you had a to-do list and an agenda and a calendar. Um, and But I would use that to type up all my notes in class and, and everything like that. And, and Chris I, had a little keyboard and I, that attached to this. So had, Chris basically had a laptop in class before that was... Yeah, so I had a special pull-out keyboard. And you know, by the way, much easier to focus when there is no internet 
on such a device if you're in class. Uh, later on, I did get internet on my on my laptop right towards the end of college. Much harder to focus. That's an aside. Anyway, the point is, is that there's this concept of something called a PDA, meaning personal digital assistant. And there was kind of this explosion of these in um, the early 2000s, maybe even the late 90s. And, you know, I was a big user of one for dealing with my disability stuff. So, one of the funny things is, is that later on in life, you and I have a mutual, like we mutually picked up something that had the name PDA in it, but it wasn't quite like the Palm Pilot that I was carrying around back in the day. No. So we, we got into the uh, the internet's trend of the hipster PDA. Although we actually got into it like years and years and years later like yeah. it was originally came out in 2004 and i don't think we started playing with it till like 2014 or something yeah we definitely did not get into it in 2004 but but the do you want to explain what the hipster pda is so the hipster pda is a collection of index cards clipped together with a binder clip and maybe you could use something as a cover what we usually did was take either a couple extra index cards or like cut a greeting card down to size or something like that and then cover it with duct tape to make it uh to make it a little bit more secure yeah but the the key point here is that it's literally just a stack of index cards like the things that you get 200 of for 99 cents at walgreens right Mm -hmm. like it's walgreens being an american uh pharmacy convenience store for if we have international listeners, but the, um, but, and then a binder clip, which is just this extremely boring office supply and a pen. Right. And mm-hmm. the, it was originally come up the, the, it was originally made up by a person named Marlon Mann on the website, hips, uh, 43 folders. And they introduced this under this blog post, introducing the hipster PDA. And it was originally a snark against the explosion of, you know, all of these kind of office materials but it turns out people really liked the idea and started messing with it. And it is great because it's super flexible, right? Mm-hmm. So And you can have it on you at all times, which, like, I know with cell phones, we do usually have computers on us at all times. But I don't take notes on my cell phone uh, personally. And having one spot that you can have on you at all times to take notes was helpful to me. Yeah, and, and I mean, so... What what can we do with it? I mean, obviously, we can write to-do lists on index cards, mm-hmm. right? Um, you can also write... But, I mean, with the, the stack of index cards, it's extremely flexible. It has a free drawing program, right? Yeah, free drawing program. You can take notes in class or guest lectures or conferences. That's right. You can write down information while you're talking to a friend and then beam that information to them by just handing them the index card. Yeah. You don't have to have your own business cards. You can just write your name and phone number on an index card and hand it off. And it's not something that you have to, like, pull out of your notebook. That's right. Um, and it's just generally fairly flexible. And, you know, it turns out people have done, like, a lot with this. And the great thing also is that it's a stack, which means you can put cards that are really important at the moment at the top and then kind of shuffle them around, put other ones at the bottom and stuff like that. And you you can do all sorts of nice things just by having something that minimal. But what's great is that it's also like pretty low stress. Like if you lose your hipster PDA, who the heck cares? Buy an you know, buy, buy another, another ninety nine cent pack of index yeah. cards. And and you know, our I mean our our whole household runs off of index cards and binder clips, but Yeah, all of my notes for my dissertation are taken on index cards. 
with it with its own unique filing system and you make some cool drawings or you do something interesting and you want to keep those notes around just get a shoebox mm-hmm. right that's it there's your archive system so 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 that that we've both used um and then um a few years after we got into the hipster pda uh chris got an upgrade yeah some friends for i think it was my birthday i think it was your birthday um they got me a very fancy levenger hipster pda which is just like a it, leather index card wallet yeah it it's really nice and morgan got jealous and, and i has, got jealous and therefore i got one for christmas that year but anyway the appeal of this is it's so flexible that it's very easy to accommodate to whatever your needs are um and you also just have this always on hand device that you can use to take a quick note to um, write something and hand it to someone or anything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can cull it out without having to like rip pages out of a notebook. Or if you're using it to take notes, you can rearrange them in a way that makes sense for whatever you're writing. Um, and you never have to charge it. Yeah. Yeah. So Hipster PD is great. Um, very flexible. But the main organization system that I've used most of the time that I've been working from home, which it's been like a really long time now. I think I started working from home in 2008 or possibly 2007. So that is almost 15 years. And when I started working from home, I actually really freaked out about it because I'm like, oh no, like I have a really bad case of ADD. I'm so easily distractible. I need to really develop systems so that like that really keep me focused and I went, I mean, I had been using it before, but I really went all in on a program called Org Mode. I mean, I also started getting really serious about, like, always take a shower first thing, then work nine to five very seriously and stuff like that. But I got really into a program called Org Mode, which is a, well, it's an extension to the Emacs text editor, but it is the world's most advanced organizational system. It's basically a outliner so you can make outlines of you know planning things out with nested to-do systems it has a agenda that pulls together all your to-do items and shows them on one page it is also a document authoring system and basically most of the projects i've done over the course of my career have been org mode has been a major part of it like every time i start on a project i start talking to myself in org mode where i type up a tree of what I type of stuff I think I'm going to do. And as I work on the project, I just type in notes to myself as I go, which means I can return to a project months later and look at that particular tree of tasks and I and look at the notes I made to myself and I can jump right back in to wherever I was. And like, that's really great for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I ha- haven't been working from home officially as long as Chris. I mean, I've been a student for that same 15 years that you've been working from home so uh, most of my actual productive work has been done at home but I have had to like go in and take classes for the last six years since I've been a dissertator I have been working from home and I really started to struggle with keeping myself on task not necessarily because work from home as such but when I started getting to projects that were more independently driven So when I was in my master's program and writing my master's thesis, 
I saw an advertisement that my university had a dissertation writing support group. And I was like, well, I'm not writing a dissertation at this point, but I'm writing this big scary thesis. Is it okay if I just crash this dissertation group? Because I need support and there isn't a thesis support group. And they said yes. Me and my advisor had set like long-term goals and deadlines and stuff like that. But I needed help more on like a week-to-week basis of getting smaller incremental work done. When I didn't have anyone that was holding me accountable. I got two important things out of this system. One, I returned to using something similar to an assignment notebook or a day planner. But I used it differently. It was no longer me writing down what I had to do and therefore forgetting things that I had forgotten to write down. It was me writing down what I had done. And I developed this system that was suggested by one of the writing center support staff in this dissertation group that was um, very much like you would do for a small child. I got those gold foil stars That, you know, when you're grading kindergarten homework, you give someone a gold star if they do a really good job and then they have different colors uh, for different levels. And I made a color-coded system where if I got two plus hours of writing done, then that was a gold star. If I got two plus hours of research done, then it was a red star and stuff like that. So... I would write down what I got done and then in the calendar section of it, like the month view of my agenda, I would put these stars so that I could look back and keep track of how much progress I had actually made. Because if you're writing a writing project that is that long and extensive, then it's easy to feel like you haven't gotten anything done. And having a visual representation uh, helped me. And the other thing I got out of this dissertation support group was that I had to show up every week. And at the beginning of the session, we would all go around the table and talk about the work that we had gotten done the previous week. And then we would have like two hours of time to just write. And then at the end of the session, we would all go around the table and set goals for the next week. And the dedicated writing time was not that useful to me because I get kind of distracted trying to write in environments where there's lots of people doing lots of things. But having to be held accountable to just show up and say, I got this much work done or even worse, I didn't get any work done made me more likely to get work done. (laughs) And a lot of times that work was done the day before the, the support group because... I realized I hadn't gotten enough done before. So that system of accountability was really helpful, even though, like, those people didn't actually care if I got work done. It was just a mutual support group. They might have cared. They might have cared. But, yeah, but the the mutual support group is pretty relevant. But eventually that group ended or something, right? Uh, No, I graduated from my master's program and then went to a different school. Okay, that's right. Multiple graduate school things. So that was in your master's program, and then... That's right. And I'm remembering now. So the this transitions into us kind of reproducing this structure. Yeah, it, it inspired our current system, which is kind of the crux of what this episode's about. So when I was in my PhD program and I got to the point, not quite when I was finished with coursework, but like my last semester of courses 
when I was taking two independent studies and one seminar class. Um, and my two independent studies were basically preparation for my preliminary exams. I was again having trouble keeping track of incremental progress because they were long-term projects that were self-directed. So we came up with something that we now call check-in. Basically, it's that same structure that I had for the dissertation support group without the two hours in the middle of writing. We go through and describe what we did last week, and then we set goals for the next week. That's right. And this came up with a hipster PDA because this is when we really started using the hipster PDA, even though I had fiddled with it before. We would have an index card from last week with everything we had made a plan last week to prioritize. Mm -hmm. And then we'd sit down very critically over lunch somewhere and we would both read off our list, read out loud what we did and didn't do, and make a new list where we copy over information or if there was stuff that kind of moved to long term we'd move it to the back um, of the card and that system helped a lot i think one of the really key observations for us since it was the two of us doing it and staying motivated one of the reasons that it worked is we set up a kind of treat-like incentive for it. Do you want to explain what that was? Yeah, so once a week we would go out to brunch or lunch um, at a restaurant and we would eat and then do our check-in because then we had some benefit to doing this thing that otherwise is just tedious and stressful. That's right. And we have maintained that ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, so we It's ha- changed a bit over the lockdown, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So, um, but we usually call it the check-in lunch or check-in brunch, depending on when we get to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that element of having that reward is really key to making the weekly check-in work as I, as we've experienced it. And the other thing that I think we found is really key is we, there's, it's the check-in brunch is a no judgment zone, mm-hmm. right? Both of us are already judging ourselves enough that we can make, it, we can support and give advice and respond to what the other person's saying, saying, you know, I think you could get that done and blah, blah, blah. Or I think, I think, you know, you're, you're being a bit hard on yourself as in terms of your timeline. But we both have a tendency to set really ambitious goals for how much we're going to get done. That's right. But there's no judgment as in terms of how much the other person got done last week because Mm -hmm. we are both people who try our best and it's just not helpful Mm -hmm. for your relationship to be judgy about each other. There's no judgment, but there is accountability in the fact that we have to say out loud what we did or didn't get done. So we eventually realized that when we did these weekly check-ins, we didn't always remember what we did each day of the week and therefore what we got done. And also we realized that we were coming up with these really ambitious task lists to do for the next week. And in traditional ADD hyper-focus, we would end up like working on just one of those tasks. Yeah. Dividing up our time. And never look at that card throughout the rest of the week. And just Until forget. the next check-in. And you'd have like appointments and stuff like that. And we'd write it down at the start of the week. But that didn't help us. Mm-hmm. So we made a modification. We started the daily check-ins in addition to the weekly check-ins. 
Yeah. So we still have the weekly check-in lunch slash brunch. That's kind of that where you get the treat effectively. Yeah. But every morning at breakfast or sometimes lunch, depending on how on ball we are in the morning, we go through and we look at that longer checklist of things we want to do for the week. And we say, today I am going to do this task or I'm going to do these five tasks, depending on how big the task is. Well, and that actually shifted even further because that's that's kind of where it went. But then we actually pulled in specific days into the the week Mm -hmm. right and we even got a weekly planner eventually just like the old assignment notebook yeah that that we started to use to keep track of it so over our our cottage cheese for breakfast or whatever like the old people we are Mm -hmm. we um we so what is our our weekly so what does the weekly check-in look like now versus the daily check-in like what would one of those look like so now what we do on the weekly check-in is we still Before we write down what we're going to do for individual days of the week, we talk about our longer term goals for the next week. And then we fill in the broad strokes for uh, what we're going to do individual days. And this was especially helpful when, uh, when I had like a job that I was doing in addition to, um, working on my dissertation over the last several weeks it's basically just been like dissertation every day of the week (laughs) for months but um but it was easier that way we could say okay so on tuesdays and thursdays i'm going to focus on my project assistantship my job and then mondays wednesdays fridays i'm gonna i'm gonna have the whole day to uh work on my dissertation so so we do this on it, it used to it was it used to be mon- it initially was Fridays and then it was Mondays and now it's Sundays so we well the Sunday happened because over uh, the shift to Sunday happened over the pandemic because <laughs> the... restaurants were closed and Chris started making our brunch yeah so we discovered that it took like half the day on Monday for Chris to make brunch and for us to do the check in also I was sick of us having like. We already went to brunch on Sundays normally anyway, and then, like, also had this thing, and I'm like, this is, like, two... Two brunch days. Two brunch and, like, two treat-yourself days. Like, this is a little bit too much. Like, especially because we usually have something a little bit, you know, more, uh, I guess, more more calorie-wise than we probably normally would have for the check-in, you know. Um, So the... the, I, I think what we did when the pandemic started is we said okay initially chris you'll make you know well i volunteered so i start making the brunch every time and then as restaurants started to open up again we basically did takeaway yeah we did takeaway takeout we basically started ordering from the coffee shop that we would order from in town order the same breakfast sandwiches we would order if we were if If we were going in person yeah and then just pick them up and bring them back home and do the check-in at home yeah but but the same same thing because that it keeps it it keeps it motivating to do Mm -hmm. things when you have that so we have the weekly check-in on sundays and then every day that's not sunday we wake up we both sit down to breakfast 
and we just review that day. Yeah, so we eat breakfast and then we take like two or three minutes to just say, okay, today I'm working on... And then we give specific details about what we're working on. So in the well, weekly check-in, we put, you know, on Monday, I'm going to be working on my dissertation. And then in the daily check-in, I would be like, okay, today I'm going to focus on my bibliography. Well, we always have a step before that. We always review the previous day. Yes. And we check off what we did or did not do. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, so this has worked pretty well. And both of us have our individual hipster PDAs if like over breakfast we're like, oh, like I really need to do these three things today and I don't want to forget. You can just copy those onto an index card, bring them up and put them like right above your keyboard and not forget or something mm-hmm. like that. But really, we're mostly sticking to this kind of shared no- weekly planner that we have, mm-hmm. basically. And um, that's been working pretty well, um, I think. Like the, Yeah, I should say that for a while we were using like trifold uh, weekly planner individual like um index card size sheets also from levenger has like which levenger somehow like they're like a fancy office supply company i think they're like, like crack yeah <laughs> well for morgan for, for me morgan's very into I, office supplies that's that's like my favorite my favorite thing to binge on is office supplies yeah morgan's biggest vice office supplies and books um the so yeah but we but some i think i think the hipster pda thing must have like must be most popular with the office supply market because they have a bunch of fancy index cards and stuff. But we don't actually use those anymore. Well, but, but we the did. reason we were using them was because we could keep them in our hipster PDAs. And then when we did our check-in uh, brunch or lunch or whatever, we already had them on us. Yeah, that's true. And we switched during the pandemic to a agenda um because we're just doing it at our dining room table and we're doing it every day over breakfast anyway so i I think this is not like that big of a deal though you just need something that you copy the week onto yeah and every time so it it can be something that's book shaped or it can be something that it's basically just this thing that you throw away which was a big difference and part of the reason that i was that i was bringing that up is one of the things that i guess i forgot to say with my problem with assignment notebooks is sometimes i didn't have my assignment notebook on me when uh when i found out about something that i needed to do and therefore wouldn't write it down because assignment notebooks and day planners and stuff like that can be big and bulky and they fit in your backpack but they don't necessarily fit in your purse or your pockets that's right and if you if we had just the if we just kept our weekly planner on us in just like this smaller index size format that would help and also Mm -hmm. even if you somehow forgot to bring the fancy index cards with you you know, just resort to a normal index card yeah. to copy things on, which we did many times. We did, yes. But so the I, I want to talk here a little bit, though. Um, we're going to get into this more a bit later, too, in, in other contexts like work. But in terms of how this having this weekly structure that we both check in with each other, how this kind of can lead to deviation from your own personal system. So for me, I also had I'm still using org mode. Right. And this and I was originally using org modes agenda, which kind of gathers up the information from all your files and shows it to you on one page of what you're doing each day. And I just started neglecting that. Like I just barely ever looked at it. And but I was still using org mode because to keep track of my projects, I would still write out my projects in these task trees and I would still be able to come back to them and stuff like that. I'm starting to now reconcile that more where 
before our, our weekly check-ins, I write down what it says in my agenda and we basically come downstairs, reconcile it with what we have and then go back up and, and reconcile it there. But it is true that the moment that you start synchronizing with another person, you if you also have a personal synchronization system, you start you, you might go out of phase with that. Have you have mm-hmm. you had that happen with your organizational systems as well? Not as much because most of my syncing with other people like for school and stuff and my jobs has been done over email yeah which like i can just read it in the email and put it on an index card (laughs) yeah um let's come back to the syncing with other people stuff later um let's let's talk more about what happened in the pandemic yeah so in the pandemic i think we found we needed even more structure not because working from home was new to either of us yeah, but there's like a level of uh, I don't know level of apocalypse. Well, there's a level of f's to give. There's a level of just like apocalyptic dread where at the beginning of the apocalypse, even though Chris and I were both very used to working from home at that point, we were having a hard time staying focused, which I think just about everyone was. Yeah. At well, the beginning of the apocalypse. And it's very easy to like we both started playing this video game that we started playing together and mm-hmm. we um and 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 partly actually inspired by the economy and the game is how we came up with this system. But let's I also want to say one other thing before we get to that. One of the other problems is one of the ways we would stay motivated to clean our house mm-hmm. is we would have dinner parties and have guests over. Yeah, or just friends come over for like 10 minutes or whatever. And, and we would clean before they came over. Yeah, and, and we couldn't do that. Yeah, like, we, we that wasn't an excuse. Like, we haven't had another person in the house except for like a couple of repair people for essential things for about a year at this point. We had we had one person over very briefly, and they were on the other end of the room, and and we were all wearing masks. And we were all wearing masks, and and but like other than that, yeah. Outside, like the only thing we did was like meet people in our yard, and that you don't have to clean your house to meet people yeah. in your yard. So so yeah. So that the core problem there is that system no longer works when people aren't able to come over anymore. And as we've said many times in this episode, we are both ADD, and one of the symptoms in ADD is that you don't necessarily notice the things piling up until they become problems for some reason or another. Yeah, so eventually they became a problem. We looked around, we were like, this looks pretty horrible. And we also did what many people did, you know, and we were like, oh, the pandemic's coming, and you start buying things like a month's worth of groceries instead of a week's yeah like you you buy a big bulk stash of things that you then chip away at yeah but that also means that you buy a whole bunch of snacks yeah that you that are supposed to last you a month but it would be so easy to just eat them all at once yeah it's so easy to eat a whole bag of reese's yeah so um we came up with what we call the point system and again saying previously in this episode that these are some of these things are systems that like people try to convince children to do. Yeah, this is this is the kind of system that a lot of people use when they're trying to get like their children to do chores. But we are two grown adults and we have found it beneficial for ourselves. But we're so, going to talk about that more later. Yeah, so let's actually just talk about what the point system is cuz we've just been skirting around it. So Yeah. So what when we were 
when we were growing up, one of my sister's favorite things to include in rants about other people was if they did something and they wanted, like, recognition for it in a way that was frustrating or seemed entitled to my sister, she would say, what, do you want a cookie for that? And it turns out, yes. I swept the floor and I want a cookie. Okay, so that's effectively what this system is. It, A, prevents you from just eating all the snacks at once, and B, also motivates doing various things that you might not want to do otherwise. So this is our point system. We basically created a localized economy by having a bucket full of change. It is that... not a bucket. It is a pretty cut glass bowl. Okay, there's a... <laughs> it's a pretty classic glass bowl now. It used to be a bucket. The, like... For like a week. Okay. Well, anyway, the we have... I made it prettier. Yes, that's right. So... Um, I cleaned a bunch of disgusting ass change because, you know, when mm-hmm. like change that moves between people's hands is pretty gross. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's a pandemic and you don't know where change has been. And basically, you know, cleaned it in, uh, in like the, the usual, you use some acid to clean coinage approach. And then once this stuff was sufficiently cleaned, we put it all in this bowl and this bowl plus we have two drawstring purses that Morgan made. Yep. Um, that area is magical. The currency in that area is not the same as it would be otherwise. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're U.S., they're U.S. coins, so we've got, you know, pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters. But, uh, we came up with a system that's, the base measurement is a Hershey's Kiss, um, like one single point is one Hershey's kiss. Well, it used and to, then... it, it is, it used to be now, now like a Hershey's kiss is two. Well, oh, okay. Right. Well, well for, for me, I, I, I personally increased the number of points so that I would not eat too many Hershey's kisses, but, <laughs> but lowest common denominator candy basically. Yeah. So we sat down and we wrote down all of the chores that needed to be done on, a uh, dry erase board and we together worked out how many points doing each chore was um and then we wrote a separate list on the same dry erase board that was the snacks that we were getting in bulk that were supposed to last us for a month and hadn't been lasting us for a month and how many points it would take us to buy ourselves a snack we then set up a separate board that was the Rare Candies board, which is kind of funny because it's really more Rare Snacks, but it was mm-hmm. a Pokemon reference. But the the um, the Rare Candies is actually just a bunch of Post-it notes that have... They're like single-use things. So the our initial list was things that happen regularly, like dishes or laundry. Yeah. And then it would turn out like, oh... One of us has to call, like, the mechanic to get this thing fixed. Neither of us wants to do that. Yeah. Well, we'll motivate Or, like, our... the cabinet door has been broken for, like, three months and it needs to be fixed. But none of us, none of us, and realistically, that's me that fixes broken things. Yeah. I, I hadn't been motivated to fix the broken cabinet door yet. Yeah, but usually we'll just be sitting down, often at a check-in, or we'll just be passing by and one of us will say, you know what, we really need to get that thing done. How do you feel about us putting a rare candy for that at X number of points. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the key things about this system is that it's all been mutually negotiated and mutual consent. Like one of our friends was like, oh, like you're bringing... It's the man. Yeah, like you've basically brought the... 
you're you've corrupted your system with like this like capitalist blah 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 something or other and i'm like okay like we made our own localized co- economy that's entirely consensual between the two of us mm-hmm. both of us opted in and wanted to do this thing and now, we renegotiate things like chris mentioned uh they raised the price of hershey's kisses for themselves because they realized they were eating too many Hershey's Kisses and basically made it so that healthier snacks were lower number of points and unhealthy snack foods were more for them, but didn't impose that on me. Yeah, but the um, that that's actually one of the very rare ex- uh, exceptions is the Hershey's Kiss, but it is funny because that's where it started with. I'll still, like, my one point thing is a tablespoon of raisins. That's mm-hmm. what I try to prioritize just eating a bunch of is like if i'm like hungry i want like a quick snack tablespoon of raisins basically yeah but the key thing here is this only works because both of us wanted to do it and both continuously make sure we're both happy with what the point values are for things and it gives us incentives to do well one to do the chores that we to prioritize the chores that we want to do so like Chris likes to do chores in, like, little bursts. So, like, just drive-by cleaning a, a little bit of stuff. And I would rather just spend, like, an entire day doing my chores. That's right. Um, so, so like, for example, I do the dishes, which is, like, more, you know... A the, daily task. You can't... Like, the dishwasher can only hold so much. And there we don't want to have a giant pile of all these things. And we mm-hmm. need to keep getting mugs. So the dishwasher is a thing I do... But you do. But I do laundry because I would rather just spend an entire day that's like doing laundry interspersed with like other smaller chores uh, between switching loads because Chris never remembers to switch loads. That's right. It's true. And so, you know, we've we've both kind of taken on the tasks that we we prefer to do and we've negotiated to make sure like, ah, you know, I feel like this should be. And, um, you know, we both come to settle on it. Yeah. And and then we set a ridiculously high reward price for tasks that neither of us want to do. Like cleaning the toilet is worth a lot of points in right. our individual system because neither of us wants to clean the toilet. That's right. Well, and I mean, the system has actually worked out pretty well where even like if I'm not carefully paying attention to what i'm eating and my diet and stuff like that i've just defaulted to you know not like gaining a ton of weight or anything like that like maintain, yeah. like actually even losing a little bit of weight if anything which is the which is not the normal state of affairs if i'm not paying close attention to what i'm eating and being super stressed and it also it also means that like if you ran out of points in your individual uh in your individual coin purse but you want to eat a snack then you can be like okay i guess i'll clean the toilet and i will be able to afford the fancier snacks that's right and every now and then also kind of a throwback to the pre-pandemic days we'll be like you know what i'm gonna buy you a drink yeah you know, like but and you know you'll buy me a sparkling water or i'll buy you a sprite yeah because that's something you can't do if you're ordering all of your groceries to be delivered And you're never just, like, out running errands. And you can be like, oh, these are the kind of taffies or uh, caramels that Chris likes. That's right. So that covers the point system very well. Very seven-year-old. But we're we're happy with it. So before we get to kind of, like, an analysis of some of these things at a higher level, let's just actually kind of go to how we've brought this all together, right? So, like, we actually have each incorporated pretty much all of these things right so for 
we start out the week every Sunday by, um, or end the week, I guess, by having the weekly check-in, mm-hmm. right? We do daily check-ins. Yep. We just have the point system on hand. By the way, also, daily check-ins, five points for the point system. Weekly check-ins, ten points. So that's an extra bonus thing of points. Yep. Daily work, two hour, two points per hour of just normal work so that mm-hmm. you don't just start doing chores instead of work, right? Yeah, which was something that we amended later because we realized that uh, this system could prioritize doing tasks that weren't our daily work that we were supposed to be doing. Yep, that's right. We, we overcorrected. Yep, I mentioned I already still also use org mode personally mm-hmm. for keeping track of projects and where the projects are at. And what about you? Do you still have anything resembling the notebook? Do you still use foil stars right now? I actually don't. See, the thing is, that was very useful when I had a job and was working on my dissertation because I have a tendency to hyper-focus and, like, I would get an email from work and switch gears to doing that and then not work on my dissertation when I was supposed to. But when it got to the point where I was just working on my dissertation for, like, everything every day for, like, 14 hours a day, then the uh, gold star system kind of went out the door. Mm-hmm. And we both still carry around our hipster PDA. And since mm-hmm. we're it's since it's a pandemic, it's kind of not as useful as when we would be walking around places. Cause... I actually don't carry mine around because mine lives in my purse and I'm not like walking around the house ah. with my purse. Well, I always put on pants every day with pockets for where each pocket corresponds to different things that i'm storing on me mm-hmm. um, which is part of chris's organizational it's, it's system. part of my system and i have a pocket for the hipster pda and i so i always have that in a pen on me and it's useful for me because you know i'll come up with an idea or something like that and i'll jot it down or i can bring it up to my desk and drop it off and stuff like that so I still find a lot of benefit out of that, but I well, think it's... Well, I have index cards at my desk. I have index cards next to the bed. I have That's index right. cards at the dining room table. Yeah. I, I think but... I even have some next to the couch right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not doubting just, your index cards. I, I, I just don't have the hipster PDA that I'm using right now because I, when I'm working from home, wear pajama pants basically all the time um, because that causes less physical stress on my disabled body. Yep. So um, nobody's questioning your interest in index cards and binder clips, Morgan. We, we, they, your life is still run from them. It's just that you're not carrying the, 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 the yeah. device of index cards and binder clips on you in, in the same way. L- let's talk about like kind of reconciling this with other systems, right? So the, everything we've talked about here has either been very focused around ourselves individually or around ourselves as the two of us, mm-hmm. right? And, of course, if you work for an employer or so on, um, or, you know, even volunteer on projects and stuff like that, a lot uh, – it means you've got to collaborate with other people who probably have their own to-do systems, right? So, like, you know, Free Notebooks their software projects have bug trackers, and actually so do many jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And you probably have to respond to email and so on. And I've got some specific things I've been doing for years, but why don't we start with what you and what you've been doing? Well, you already made me say this earlier, so I already said what I do, which oh, is... whoops. Okay, well, then I'll expand <laughs> on what I've done. Um, 
the we'll keep that in there that back and forth i guess the so what i've done since org mode is a really major part of my personal organization and i often have notes that don't make sense to anyone else and so on is anytime i've worked at a job or worked on a really major project i've set it up so that i have a little bit of custom emacs list i've written where my org mode system and the the issue tracker i'm working on sync with each other like basically like well okay it's only syncs in one direction it pulls down tasks that are relevant or assigned to me into my to-do tree if i've been ignoring them and i just always have an issues type thing for that and i've also set it up so i can more easily like capture org mode's very good for like capturing links to like specific emails and stuff like that so you can hop around Anyway, um, I guess this just turned into me part of this uh, this episode. As yeah, well. I yeah. thought we did this earlier because you already asked me the question. Well, why did I ask you the question? I have more to say. Okay, so a lot of these systems, so the assignment notebook, the hipster PDA, the check-ins, the point system, all of this is stuff that our ADD brains would probably have problems with if it was imposed by other people, as we talked about the agenda system. Or or even did have problems with. Did have problems with. Because, well, one, the ADD makes you very forgetful. Um, and it, if someone is imposing this system on you and you forget and that person gets upset, then that is stressful. And... The reason that this all works for us is because we have spent the 15 plus years that we've been together kind of refining these systems to help each other stay on track when we didn't necessarily have like managers or advisors or whatever that were able to manage us as closely as we maybe needed. I I did this in a lot of times where I did have managers that were managing. Well, and I've had either an advisor or a manager basically the entire time we've been together. Right. But there were still things that were supposed to be independently driven that it's not my advisor or manager's job to keep me on task quite as much as I needed. The real summary for me about all this stuff that's it's especially important in that context where the manager isn't working as much day to day. But even in the cases where I've had managers checking with me every day and say, here's the issues you're working on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's still been important and useful for me to have these things anyway, because I've been able to kind of sculpt them around the things that do and don't work well for me and be able to keep track of context that I might otherwise lose. But yeah, if my managers were just saying like, Hey, you got to use things in this specific way. They might be being helpful. It might be that they happen to result in all the same things I needed, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of unlikely. There's a certain amount of buy-in that's really relevant here. And especially Mm -hmm. if like, you know, you might walk away from this episode saying, ah, you know, this sounds really good. My partner and I should do exactly this thing. And you tell them like, do this. Right. And you'll probably find that they will rebel against you. Right. And Maybe we, but but, but par- the thing is, you need to figure out what works for you. It has to be a conversation. I actually think that that's maybe even relevant to why a lot of this doesn't work when it's kind of imposed with children. Yes, is because a lot of times when you're doing these these things with children, it is a top down system, right? The parents set the chores that need to be done. They set the points, 
and then they set the rewards. Or maybe they'll give the kids some input in some of those things, but not all of them, because it still results in the kids doing the chores that the parents want them to do. But everything here was negotiated between the two of us. And also, critically, we both participated in it. And like, I think that's sometimes a thing that I found in the past, you know, like it, it might have been different if it was like, oh, okay, you know, like, we had to have a conversation. And you know, like, you want to have your thing before bed as well. You you also have to buy in and participate mm-hmm. in this whole thing. But then again, we are do not have children. So yeah, we don't have children, so we can't tell parents. We can't tell what parents. What works or doesn't. It's that everybody's um, American favorite pastime, telling other parents how to parent. And, yeah, especially uh, from child-free people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're all doing it wrong, you know, so... Um, but from our experience as people who were at one point children with ADD, these kind of systems were difficult, especially because a lot of times they came off as hypocritical if the parents didn't have to abide by the same rules. But the important thing here is buy-in. It's really important. Our experience is that systems work best when it involves a lot of participation and feedback from the person who is trying to be organized. and when. The organizational system is set up to permit them to accomplish the things they want to accomplish. Yeah, to bring back a theme that we've talked about many times on this uh, podcast, these kind of systems work best when you maximize agency for each of the people involved. Yep. Well, that feels like a pretty good place to end. What do you think? Yeah, I would just like to say a lot of this is coping mechanisms. So I was diagnosed with ADD when I was a kid and I have never been medicated. So basically the reason that I'm capable of being a functioning adult is because I've built up scaffolding of organization systems and strategies that keep me on task when my brain doesn't want to allow me to do that. Oh, and that's really important relevant to this. And I can't believe we haven't said it sooner is we just gave a lot of stuff. And if you're like, this all sounds useful, I'm going to pick this up all at once, it's probably not going to work. Basically, start small and experiment with little adjustments to your workflow and Mm -hmm. build on it and add to it over time. That's what you and I, at least, have found to be the most successful systems. And I mean, I love, so we already talked about uh, my, my, my penchant for office supplies. I also love hearing about other people's organizational systems. I love it. If you do journaling, if you do uh, if you do some sort of program that keeps you on track, I want to hear about those things. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to take someone else's system word for word. It's something that has to be individualized to the person who uses it and works in a way that their brain and workflow can incorporate. Is that a good place to end? Yeah, I guess so. If you want to share your organizational systems or office supplies uh, with me, feel free to tag us on social media because I am all about that. Costuming and office supplies, these are like your favorite things. They are. Like, seriously, anyone ever wants to send me pictures of these things on the internet, please do. And if you ever make a costume out of office supplies, definitely send that to Morgan. <laughs> all right, that that's that's where we're ending. All right, bye, everybody. Thanks, bye. 
Boss and Crafts is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International License. It's hosted by Morgan Lemmerweber and Christopher Lemmerweber. The intro music is composed by Christopher Lemmerweber, meaning myself, and Milky Tracker, and is released under the same license as the show. The outro music is Enchanted Tiki 86, composed by Alex Smith of The Cynic Project, and is waved into the public domain under CC01.0. See cynicmusic.com for more information. You can get in contact with us on the Fediverse, Foss and Crafts at octodon.social, on Twitter as at Foss and Crafts, or you can email us, podcast at fossandcrafts.org. We also have a chat room. Join our community, hash Foss and Crafts, on irc.freenode.net. If you'd like to support the show, you can donate at patreon.com forward slash c-w-e-b-b-e-r. That's it for this week. Until next time, stay free and stay crafty. Having a migraine doesn't count as downtime. <laughs> it does not count as downtime to have a migraine. What do you? Yeah, why would it? Why would that count as downtime? It wouldn't. It's just like that was the only times that I wasn't working. <laughs>